Carolina, and this recording is from one of our church services. For more information, visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the message. John chapter 3, and we're going to go to verse 17, and I'm just going to read verse 17 through 19. Amen? Amen. When you have it, say, I got it. Everybody got it? All right. And if you don't got it, it's on the screen. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Amen, amen, amen. All right, look at the neighbor say, no. Come on, say it with like that many exclamation points. <laughs> no condemnation. Come on, say it, say it again one more time. Now I want you to talk to condemnation. Say no condemnation. All right, give me one more time, one more time. No condemnation. Amen, amen. Come on, you can be seated in the presence of our mighty God. Amen, amen. Uh, so we, we're going to be jumping around just a little bit today. I've been tasked with the uh, awesome privilege <laughs> to go into this subject as we've been talking about the trap house. You know, I want to give honor to my pastor and his wife and their family. Amen this morning. Amen. Amen. So he's over there on the bongos, prophetess lady, uh, their family, and give honor to my lovely wife on this Mother's Day, you know. And my three boys, uh, and all of the saints and friends and elders and prophets and ministers and deacons and all this other stuff. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. Um, so when we're talking about condemnation, and we're going to tie a little bit of different things into this as well, and I'm going to be probably touching a little bit on the mothers as well, but I think this is something that we all can kind of really... Uh, connect with. Amen? Um, when we're talking about condemnation, you're really talking about a certain type of conviction. And condemnation comes into our life at times when, really most of the time when we have done something wrong. You know? You don't really hardly ever feel condemned when you're doing what we feel like to be right. Right? But when you get caught or when you know or when you get, you know, you, you start to do wrong things, we start to deal with condemnation. You know, sometimes we deal with pride, which is, you know, we try to fight against that whole condemnation piece or the, the whole conviction piece. Um, but, you know, what really is condemnation, though? Condemnation is not from God, right? It's not from God. 
Um, and studying this and trying to look into it and really trying to get a picture of this, you know, of course we go to our authority, Jesus Christ, as he's talking about condemnation. Condemnation is one of the results of sin. Not only one of the results of sin, but when we go to this scripture, this passage of scripture, and we'll kind of go through it here now uh, as he talks about why did God send uh, the Son into the world. He sent him into the world not to condemn the world. So we understand that Jesus Christ came so we would not be condemned. Why? Because without him, as we read down, you know, we're already condemned if we don't have him. Right? So it would seem kind of weird in a sense or kind of, uh, you know, why, why do saints, we that are believers who do have him, deal with condemnation? If, if he came not to condemn and if we have him, we don't really supposed to be condemned. Right? Said, so, but that the world through him what might be saved. So we can have salvation through him. Come on, give me the next scripture. We got a few different scriptures to go through, so I'm gonna be going just a little bit. Uh fast. What was going on? Hey, am I spitting on it or something? Huh? You ain't gonna say that? You gotta tell me the truth, right? <laughs> <laughs> so he that believeth on him what is not condemned so condemnation really comes down to your belief system condemnation really comes down to what do you truly believe condemnation feels like a feeling you know it seems like it's a feeling that comes on us because when we sin guilt has a feeling because when you sin what you, you, you feel guilty not only do you feel guilty, but you are guilty. We are guilty when we sin, right? But in the midst of that sin, in the midst of that feeling guilty, a lot of times the enemy comes to do what? Now change your belief system about who Christ is. Because if I believe on him, I don't have to be condemned. Right? Say, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Which, you know, it could, we could argue whether it's sin proof that we don't believe. I don't think I wouldn't say so. Not all the time. Because not all sin is proof that I don't believe. Sin is something that we just deal with as saints. Sometimes it could be that you didn't believe, I didn't believe, so therefore now I am sinning right? But not all the time. And the sin is not just a action. It's a mindset. It, 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 it really comes down to a, a, really a belief system in, in and of itself, right? So when I don't believe, I'm already condemned. I've already proven myself to be guilty, right? So when we stop believing who Christ is and why he came, because he did not come, so I will just be perfect. And after we get saved, a lot of times what happens is we start to deal with the whole, you know, we, we, you got to do right, right? We're supposed to do right. Right? You're supposed to do what's right. Right? But I don't always want to do what's right. 
and sometimes I don't do what's right. So when I don't do what's right, and therefore, and, and I've already believed, am I not condemned because I didn't do what's right? But this is what we struggle with. Why? Because he what? He said, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Come on, give me that scripture. Uh, and this is the condemnation, that light comes into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So what is real condemnation? He's given us a definition here. The real condemnation is, I love darkness. Really, when, when, you, when we start dealing with condemnation, it's because I really love darkness, meaning I love evil things. And that's a hard thing to really kind of deal with within ourselves when you say, I love evil things, but then I suppose to love Christ too. Because then, because then, that, that's what makes you feel condemned. I can't talk about the evil things that I love. I can't be real about the evil things that I love. But when you talk about them, you bring them into the light. So the light that has come into the world, you're bringing it into the light that's here. And when you bring it into the light, then the darkness loses power over our lives. So then the deeds that were evil you don't really have the, the same drive to go do them when you continuously bring them to the light. But a lot of times, this is why we run away from prayer sometimes, we run away from being close to people, we run away from relationships. It's because there's, there's something in us that does not, we don't want to be discovered. Because when you deal with people, what's in you gets discovered. And some of that, because of what we're dealing with, sometimes on the inside of ourselves, we start to beat ourselves up. And this is what a lot of us deal with when we talk about condemnation. You beating yourself up. You looking at, give me, uh, give me the definition for condemnation or condemn. We're going to teach this morning. Not sin. Give me, give me condemn. Did I give you condemn? I did. All right. I'm pretty sure I did, but it's okay. The last one? No, no, we're going to deal with that one in a minute. All right. I'll read the definition for condemnation. And as we're talking about this trap house, I don't want to get away from that. So I'm just trying to do this. Um, as we're talking about this trap house, this condemnation becomes a trap for us. It becomes a trap. And it's something that not only do we pick up from our dealer, who is Satan, but we deal ourselves as we've been talking about this trap house, right? The trap house is what? The trap house is that, that, that urb, in an urban community, that house that really, you know, is known for drugs. You can come and get some crack, you can get some cocaine, you know. Come get whatever you want, right? The trap house. Hmm? What you got? I got it. I got it. Yeah, I was trying to post it up. You know, if you could send it to Mike, that would be good. <laughs> if he can get it up that fast, I don't know. But uh, when you're talking about the trap house, this is a place also where value gets exchanged. Because not only are you getting trapped in an addiction, but this is where, you know, they trap money. You trapping this money by dealing these drugs, right? So I get to trap 
this, this cheddar that I need for what I'm, what I'm trying to do. I get to, I get to stack. I get to make some stacks off of these addictions that people have, right? And this is the value that the enemy gets from us. He begins to get value from us when we come to him and give him this, and we start to take what he has, the condemnation. We start to buy into the guilt, buy into that I can never change, buy into that I am addicted and I can't break it, the addiction. Some of us get addicted to condemnation. And as the man of God has been telling us, you know, all of us to a certain extent deal with addictive type tendencies. We might not want to say it. We might not want to say it, but we're all creatures of habit. And some of us are more extreme in our habitual, you know, uh, 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 deeds than others. Meaning we feel more safe doing the same things than changing things up. So we get addicted to same, we get addicted to a certain feeling, we get addicted to certain levels of pleasure because if we really be honest, let's be honest, when you went to go get something from the trap house, it was because there was some pleasure hooked up to this drug, right? There was some pleasure hooked up to getting some weed or getting, you know, I never smoked any crack, but when we, when you talk about scientifically, what the crack that does to the mind, the pleasure principle, the pleasure place gets so overloaded. This is why people really get so addicted to it because that first high is so extreme, it surpasses any, any kind of pleasure they ever had anywhere in any, anything. So they get addicted to chasing that pleasure again but it's never the same so from an ex-weed head and alcohol I ain't gonna say alcoholic I was a weed head I was a weed head I didn't really like to drink like that but I was a weed head right so there was some pleasure that came from me smoking weed and some of that pleasure was escape and if we be honest, condemnation gives us an escape. Because if I condemn, if I take the condemnation of the enemy, right? If I take the condemnation of the enemy, then I, don't, I, I can say, well, I'm not good enough for God. So if I'm not good enough for God, then he can never use me. And therefore, I can't even have a relationship with him. And because I'm not good enough for him, that he doesn't really want me. I might as well give myself over to the devil. Or we say what we want to do. Right? You ever had that kind of mindset? Like, I might as well because I keep on making the same mistakes. I keep on doing the same thing. I can't seem to get it right. I keep on sinning. And because I keep on sinning, I have to face my sin, I have to face my guilt, and I have to face what I'm doing wrong, and I got to face my shame. I must can't do this. You ever felt like that? Like what the preacher is saying is not realistic. Oh, you just got to believe God and do what he say. That ain't realistic for some of us in our head, but it is realistic that it can be done. 
But in our head and in our daily lives, we'll say, this is not realistic. I can't just believe him because what I have to believe him to get over, I can't do that. I can't just do what's right. It's not that easy for me. You ever felt like that? Like your sin was really overtaking you? Your mindset was really overtaking you like there's no way God can deliver me from this. He might can deliver somebody else, but not me. Right, 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 right. Yes. Yeah, I know I sent it to you. I knew I did. Because I, I, I told you which ones to put up. <laughs> like, there's no reason why I wouldn't have sent this to you. Uh, <laughs> so the definition of condemn what is to what? To pronounce guilty. So it comes down to a judgment. It's like when you go to court and they say, okay, because of this evidence and the testimony, you're guilty. Therefore, you have to now deal with the consequences of your guilt. Right? So it, it's somebody who has power to pronounce guilty. And then I, you see this word, convict. It is a type of conviction. This is why they feel the same. They feel the same because it is a type of conviction. It's a sentence to be able to give doom to our lives and to judge us to be unfit for use or consumption. You ever seen a condemned house? You know, there's a lot of reasons why people condemn houses. And us being that house sometimes that we get trapped, we become that trap house because we're dealing this stuff to ourselves. We start to condemn this house like God can't live in it. When he's saying like, like you are the temple. You are the temple. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He wants to come in the house, but he's not condemning the house. He come to dress it back up. He come to rehab the house. He come to build it back up. He come to set new foundation. He come to put new paint up. He come to do all that kind of stuff. But it's always, you know, rehab is an ugly thing. It's messy. The demolition of tearing stuff down, rearranging stuff, replanting stuff, patching stuff up. And then it becomes detailed at the end. This is why the closer you get to God, the more detailed it gets. The longer you walk with him, the more detail it gets. Why? Because now he's trying to finish the, the smallest thing. Because now I've dealt with the foundation. Your foundation is okay. But how many of you know over a course of time, foundations crack too at the same time. So sometimes we got to go back and do the foundation again. We got to repair it again. But that foundation, that foundation sometimes gets messed up. And when the foundation gets messed up, you have to come bring people in to try to make that foundation right again. So the house doesn't get condemned because when the foundation is wrong or the belief system is wrong, this is the quickest way to condemnation. So when I don't believe right, man, I don't know what I believe or what I believe I don't stick to. Or what I love becomes more important than what I believe. Because what I love is evil, but what I believe is right. So we don't like talking about this sometimes in church because we don't want to talk about the sin that we deal with. 
that makes us feel or fight the condemnation because of the thoughts that go through our mind and the feelings of revenge and the feelings of getting people back and the feelings of doing different stuff to folks and, and, and doing different stuff to ourselves or, you know, just walking away from God and doing whatever. We don't want to talk about that kind of stuff all the time. But I thank God we go to a church where you're free to say the truth. Well, you're not going to be condemned for being a saint. <laughs> not going to be condemned for being a believer that's still struggling and trying to fight past the sin that wants to overtake you. Amen? Come on, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. So as you go over there, I'm going to give you just a few different reasons why houses get condemned. And that's actually, condemnation is one of the last steps before, uh, you know, if you ever heard of eminent domain. Eminent domain is when the county can come and say, hey, we want your house. Because we need this particular property for public use. And if you say no... They can go to the court and prove to the court that we're going to give you fair market value for your house and we're going to kick you out because we're going to superimpose our dominion as county officials. Right. So the last part of that is even if the house is good, if they have a purpose for it, they'll condemn your house. Why? Because they have to condemn it to make it unfit according to the law so they can tear it down. Right? So if they come to you and say, hey, we want your property for public use, if they really, really want it, they'll wait you out, make you some offers and all that kind of stuff. But if, if enough politics are involved, they're going to get that house. They're going to put enough pressure on you to get that property. And they use all of their rights as a county government to be able to do it. I mean, they know they have this power. They just don't always exercise it. So they say, yeah, you can own that until we want it. <laughs> this is why we pay them taxes and stuff like that, right? It's still a connection. Amen? So there's a lot of different reasons why they condemn houses. Unsanitary living conditions, uh, infrastructure failure, uh, weather catastrophes. And, you know, even when we talk about weather catastrophes, how many of you been in a storm in your life that's been so serious that you felt like, okay, I ain't no way I'm going to make it out of this. There's no way I'm going to be the same. I'm gonna, this is going to tear me apart. It's going to pull me away from God. So in the midst of a storm, if there's enough damage, they'll come and condemn a house. So sometimes in the midst when you're going through things, the enemy say, you know, you're too damaged to serve God now. Because look at everything that you've been through. Look at what God is allowing to happen to you. Look at the, what you're having to walk through. You're condemned. Then you start saying, hey, I'm not fit. I'm not fit. That is the mindset of a person dealing with condemnation. I'm not fit. I'm not good enough. Other people are better than me. That's why God's going to choose them faster and more than he's going to choose me. 
It doesn't matter what God says to me. It doesn't matter what God says as far as what I know the truth to be. I'm not fit for God. We struggle with that, right? We we dress up and say, well, God, why me? Why not you? God, well, I don't understand. You didn't make you. If you didn't make you, then there's no way you can understand. Because he knows what he made. He knows what he created. Right? But we'll say, hey, not me, God. Look at the storm that I've been through. Look at my infrastructure. It's failing. Like, I'm always falling apart. I'm an emotional mess. I'm always crying. I'm always mad. I'm always upset. I can't live clean, unsanitary living conditions. My mind always nasty. I'm always dealing with perversion. I'm always dealing with revenge. I'm always dealing with this. There's no way, God, that you love me. There's no way that you came to save me. Because I've been living like this for so many years, I know I'm condemned. I'm always guilty. I'm always guilty. Extensive termite damage or built with unsafe materials. Sometimes it's the little small things to eat at us over long periods of time. It's the little small things that you don't deal with, like little termites. Tear up all the wood, eat up all your infrastructure, then you just wait. I'm not that good. By the time you catch it, if you don't catch the little small stuff early enough, by the time it really does damage, you're not even, the house is not even really worth what it used to be. Nowhere close. You can't even, the infestation becomes so bad. And this is why sometimes we come and say, okay, come on, talk, because you don't know all of what's in your heart. Because this house with so much stuff, you have, to, you have to actually talk to be able to get it out. Because it's the smallest things, the smallest facial expressions, the smallest interactions, the smallest tones. It's the smallest things that get us upset that we say, nah, I'm good, because we want to think, we want to make everybody think we all right, and we tough, and we can do it. Why these small things keep on eating at us. They keep on eating at us. Or we're built with unsafe materials. Meaning your identity is structured in sin. You know what I'm talking about? You're more comfortable with the you you used to be than the you you are now. You ever been there? And now you're still trying to drag stuff from here because you're comfortable, because you're familiar with that. That's who I used to be. That's what I used to be like. That's me. No, it's not. If it was you, you wouldn't have to be born again. If it was you, I wouldn't have to, if it was me, I wouldn't have to deny myself. So apparently that's not really who I am. Okay. So what, and this is Paul dealing with This is Paul dealing with uh, this second epistle, 
because he dealt with this, uh, this perversion going on in the first epistle of uh, 1 Corinthians. This guy was sleeping with his stepmom, right? And the people in the church knew it, and everybody was kind of cool with it. Nobody was saying nothing because they was getting out of church after prophesying, preaching, casting out devils, doing all this stuff, and going to Aphrodite's temple to go and sleep with the prostitutes. After they had been speaking in tongues and everything and had an accurate word and three or four prophesying. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, do you know somebody and can you relate? That <laughs> Right after you come out in the glory, you feel like perversion right on your back. Right? Or perversion gets presented to you. Like, hey, wasn't that good? That's another excitement you can have too. <laughs> There's an excitement of the flesh that you can get too, you know what I'm saying? But so he 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 wrote to them a letter that was quite harsh, told him to excommunicate the person. You know, we don't do that that much when people would think that oh, the church ain't being like Christ. No, the church supposed to be separate. And there supposed to be a certain level of discipline to where I don't even really supposed to eat with you if you fornicating. But we don't talk about that stuff because we, at times we don't want people to look at Christ like, well, he went to go eat with sinners. Yes, he did. But we got other, this was Christ. I don't post that if you are a believer. I don't really post to have fellowship with you if you are living actively in sin. Meaning if you're a believer, he went to go eat with sinners. They wasn't believers. So he said, once you become a part, then there's a certain level of discipline that we can exercise in your life. Mark them that, 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 that operate in division. And separate yourselves. See, we, we don't like that kind of stuff because then we will have to draw the line and everybody's not accepted. Okay. But look at what happened. Because he did this. Take me up to eight. Sorry. Because he did this, uh, this is the second epistle. And this is God's heart. God's heart is what? That, you, that we will be sorry. Right? And sometimes if we be honest, there's sin that we do that we're really not sorry about. So you don't really, it ain't even condemnation you're really dealing with. You be like, nah, I did it. Yeah, I did it. And, I, and I'm not sorry about it. Right? I done did it before. I did it and I'm not sorry about it. I said it and I ain't sorry about it. I thought it and I'm not sorry about it. And I want to do it again. And if I get an opportunity, I will. See, I'm not... Because we don't want to look at the, the, the real human, that human nature outside of God is so animalistic and undisciplined. So driven by passions and emotions. That's when he's talking about flesh. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about that, that, that you that has no kind of word, has no kind of influence from the Holy Ghost, no kind of nothing. When you put all of that to the side, you just by yourself, without demons, 
without the devil. It's evil enough in and of itself because of what we have gotten through Adam, the sin, the coldness to God, the coldness to people, the lack of love, the, 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 the revenge in our hearts, sometimes the anger, the perversion that we deal with, the, the darkness that God has come to save us from, the darkness of ourselves. That's that, it's that darkness. That part about you that scares you. That if I get in this type of situation, what would I do? And that's what we say was, keep me. And he's so faithful to do it. But I've learned sometimes God will allow you to see you. So you can not be puffed up. So we can understand what we've really been saved from. Not where everybody else, they better get this. No, 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 no. When I look in the mirror, I got to get this right. Because he saved me from. <laughs> Come on now. And he's still yet doing it from day to day. So he said, what? Though I made you sorry. I made you sorry. And that word sorry, talking about he threw them into sorrow. You see, we don't like to talk to people who make us feel bad. I don't want to feel bad. No, he's trying to throw you into sorrow. He had to throw them into sorrow so they can begin to start the steps of repentance. Because some things we won't repent of by ourselves. Because we say, I'll hold on to that. Right? I'm comfortable with that. I don't have to change that right now. Maybe later on. I don't have to do that. I don't want to do that right now. And we'll say this as, as the creation. Say this to God. I don't want to do that. And I'm not going to. And we forget about that. We have no fear in that moment. We have no awe in that moment. Or oh, there's no worship in that moment. It's only rebellion. God, I feel like that's unfair for you to ask that of me. I feel like that's not right of you. I feel like this. And we complain against his ways, but then we call him perfect when we pray to him. Come on, I done did it. Right? Because when it come down for me to have to give up my will, when, even when I know it's wrong, sometimes I fight. Yeah, it's wrong, but I, I, I don't feel like it's that wrong right this time. And I can find somewhat of a scripture to be able to match it too. Take it all out of context and everything. So he wrote them a letter. He said, though I made you sorry with a letter. I made you sorry. He said, I do not repent, though I did repent. Meaning he had a little river remorse. He knew he was being hard on them. But now he said, I don't repent because I seen what it did. We think sometimes when people are hard on us, when we should be sorry about sin that we're dealing with and we're not, we think that that person enjoys that. That they enjoy confronting the sin, the coldness of that sin, the, 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 the rebellion of your face and the standing against God and the, the resistance against what's right. We think that that's enjoyable for the other person, but it's not. It's not. He said, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. 
So God, I don't want you sorry forever. But condemnation says be sorry forever. Why? Because now I can escape from having to go through this again. Right? Because I don't have to keep on going through this. I won't have to keep on being sorry. Come on, give me the next scripture. Now I rejoice that ye were made sorry that ye sorrow to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. He said, look, I, I, I'm glad that you were sorry unto repentance. Some of us get sorry unto the next level of anger. Don't say that about me. That ain't true. I don't agree with that. Okay. Live it out then. Let's prove it. So one thing I've learned, something I, I'm, I, can't, I can't fuss back and forth with you. Because my Russell ain't with you. So if you're in agreement with who I'm wrestling with, I'll tell you the truth, and then I keep on wrestling who I'm wrestling with. Because what's the point of me getting tied up and wrestling with you? I'm going to waste energy wrestling with you while I need to be wrestling somewhere else that may be able to save you when you desperately need it. And it's going to keep me saved too. Because if I wrestle with you, more than likely, I'm going to get in my flesh. More than likely, I'm going to get mad. More than likely, I'm going to want revenge. More than likely, I'm going to want you to hear me more than you want to hear God. More than likely, I'm going to want to control you. So he was glad that they were sorry unto repentance. Some people, you when you face them with different things, they're not sorry. Not unto repentance. They're sorry in the moment. I'm sorry about that. In the moment, but not unto repentance. Meaning I'm ready to change my mind about this and my heart. We get sorry on a Sunday. We get sorry on a Wednesday. We get sorry when we hear the word. But in that moment, the enemy comes right after that. Take the word and then you just go on about and keep on living like you was living. You ever been there? Repent on the altar. You sorry. Got cut deep. Sorry. Get up and still not changed up here. Or here. I still feel the same way about it. I still think the same way about it. I have not come into a place of disagreement with this. The next scripture. For godly sorrow, what does it do? It works repentance to salvation. Not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world, work of death. This sorrow of the world is the condemnation. You can get thrown into a sorrow, a depression about your life. Some of us do it on Facebook. You scroll into other people's lives, and you get thrown into a sorrow behind lies. Right? Man... I can't believe they're doing this, and I, I, I'm not doing this. Man, we just, we, we graduated together. We the same age. How in the world are they doing, how they, see? And then, what is the next thoughts? The next thoughts is, 
if I wasn't trying to live saved, sometimes that's what some of us think. If I wasn't trying to live saved, I could go about and go do some of the stuff that they did as fast as what they did it because I know they ain't do everything legit. I got to be legit, and it's taking a long time. I can't go and, and flip a key. I can't go do that. I can't jump in and jump out whenever I need a little boost. You know what I'm saying? And I know who to call to get this, get this key, Lord. I know how to get this pound. I know how to get it. But I can't do that. Even though I got the money to buy it today, <laughs> I can't go do that. You know what I'm saying? I can't go sell my body for the next, the next uh, 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 raise. I can't go make my money maker make some money. Right? And we get upset because it look like they using their money maker to get money. Why can't I use my money maker to get some money? I know how to use it to get some money. See, these are the thoughts sometimes we don't talk about. We don't talk about these things because you know, we, we become shamed that, okay, these things are going through your mind. But then, why not go into that thought? Because, see, that's just the surface. <laughs> why are you devaluing yourself to this extent and God has valued you way more than that? Why is your flesh more expensive than your spirit? Why is what not God has invested in you more great than what your body look like? Oh, it's quiet. Because when we go down into the thought, why do I have to be a criminal to get ahead? Do I not believe God's ways are right? I don't trust him, so therefore I want to do something wrong. Not only do I not trust him, but I don't like him. Because he's restricting me from doing what I want to do. Right? See, this, these are the kind of things that, you know, you, when you hear me talking about, Pastor Lincoln talking about, we be on the phone, these are the kind of, I, we can talk about these things. And we ask each other these types of questions. Well, why are you thinking like that? To challenge each other. See, this is how you build covenant relationship. So you can throw some sorrow into a person's life to help them to turn. But still support them and be there. We want to throw sorrow and be gone. You the one messed up, I didn't. Deal with that on your own. Mm. No. Walk somebody through their repentance. Help them. Oh, Lord, it's quiet. Quiet on that one. Quiet on that one. Because you know what? We put so much pressure on people to be right because we don't want to be inconvenienced. You don't want to be inconvenienced with the humanity of another person. But they inconvenienced with your humanity. Right? And when they inconvenience with your humanity, you be like, well, you got to be patient with me. Ain't you praying for me? Ain't you? 
This go both ways. Right? Okay. Come on, let's go to Romans chapter 8, and then I'm going to leave y'all alone. For that which I do allow not, for what I would do, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. Give me the next one. Is this somebody's life? If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. Meaning I prove, I confess, my actions are confessing that the law is good. Because he's talking about the law. He's talking about how good the law is. The law has really been given to say, hey, we are sinners. So when I fail, I'm saying, hey, the law is good. It's true. Right? Give me 17. So now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So sin, give me the definition for sin. Sin is what? To be without a share, to miss the mark, to err, to be mistaken. And this is the Greek definition of all the definitions for sin. To miss or wander from the path of uprightness and honor, to do good, to do or go wrong, to wander from the law of God, to violate God's law, that all that is sin. So when we get here, this is when guilt comes in because when we miss the mark, it affects other people. Right? And it pulls us out of feeling like we belong to, you know, with everybody else. When we err or we mistake, this is why some of us hate to make mistakes. Hate to make mistakes. So scared to make mistakes that you won't try something new. Not understanding mistakes is a part of learning. Every teacher knows that. Every student knows that. So therefore, everybody in here knows that. If you don't make a mistake, I don't know what to teach you next. But it, it, the only thing that can, is condemning you, if, if, we, if you're dealing with sin, condemnation only comes in if you love the sin that you're dealing with. So the real question is, do you love the sin that you're dealing with more than God? And you have to ask God that question. You can't come up with your own definition for that one. Because we're always going to say, no, nah, no, nah, I love God. I love him. Right? I love him. But my actions say that I love this more. It's to miss a wonder from the path, meaning I can all the, all the way together miss the path, all together. A wonder from the path that I'm supposed to be going down and go and, 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 and go and do something wrong. But it's not me. Tell me back to the scripture. It's not me. It's the sin that's dwelling in me. So some will say this is a cop-out, right? So now I get to be able to escape. That won't really me. That's the sin in me. Right? But let's go to the full definition of this. If it's not you, then who are you? Because if sin is not you, and I said, well, God, Paul said earlier that we are sinners. He said, yes, sinners. Sinners meaning people who sin. But not to be identified as the, the sin that you are in. 
what am I saying? Your identity is not the sin you deal with. But condemnation says this is you. If you deal with this, this is you. And you can't change because you've been dealing with this all this time. And if you could change, then you would just change. But God comes to challenge us and say, no, no, no. Stop picking up this drug. Getting high off this condemnation that's tricking your identity. Put the blame on where it's supposed to be on. It's the sin. And when you like the sin, be truthful about it. Then you can say, yes, in this particular situation, I'm a sinner. I'm missing the mark. I, I did not, you know what I'm saying? I fell from the glory of God. In this situation, I like this more than I like God. But God is still working on my heart to be able to sanctify me from this sin. Right? Because why? When I'm trying to go do what's right, it seems like I don't have it in me to do what's right. So we start blaming everybody else. Because we don't want to blame ourselves. If you wouldn't have said this, if you wouldn't have looked like that, if you wouldn't have said this that way, if you wouldn't have did this, if you just would have apologized, if you just would have did I only can control me. I can't control you. So therefore, whatever decisions you make, even if I make the wrong decision because you made the wrong decision or because I didn't like something that you did, even if you do that, even if I do that, I still got to deal with my sin. But I don't have to sin just because you're doing something. Or not doing something. But we want to put our sin, the blame of our sin on other people. If this person would just do this, and I wouldn't be struggling like this. It might be some truth to that. But you still have a choice in the middle of that. There's still a choice. Are you going to deal with the sin that you're not dealing with because of the situation that you're in? Are you going to let this condemn you to where you say, God, I won't go no further. I can't because I'm just not good enough. Because this is going on in my life and I like this and I like that. God is not scared of your sin. Come on, look at your name. Say, God ain't scared of your sin. He's not scared of your sin. He's not intimidated by your sin. Matter of fact, he sent his son, what, to die for our sins. So how is he intimidated by the sin? And God is not surprised. He's not, oh, my God, I can't believe you. No, he knows the human condition very, very well. He knows that most of us are capable of way more than we want to admit. He knows that. So every now and then he'll send somebody to tell you the truth. No, yeah, you would do that. Yeah, you would. You think you wouldn't. You want desperately to think that you're past that, but you're not. Not yet. And it's okay. God is going to get you past it the more you bring it to the light. Come on, give me that scripture. So for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, meaning in that sinful part, in that humanity, who I am by myself, not in the devil, just me, by myself. All by myself. Dwell of no good thing. 
who wants to think that I don't have nothing good in me? But this is why he made signification. He's saying, in my flesh, meaning without God, I have nothing good in me. But with him, I have all that is good that's in me. Because it's him. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. You ever find this? Like, I want to do what's right. I really do. In my head. And even sometimes in my heart. But how to do what's right, I, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what right really is. This is why when you go over to Hebrews chapter 12, when he's saying, hey, when you get chastened after the grievous portion of you being chased and being willed, being scourged by God, the peaceable fruit of righteousness gets given to you, meaning he, you get shown what's right sometimes after we get whipped. You know this for some people that you've had kids or you had to discipline kids. It seemed like after a while, it seemed like they can't do what's right until they see that belt come out. You been there? Somehow or another, they can figure out in that moment, I can do what you said. I can do it. I can do it. And, and just because we got grown, we ain't grown out of that. When you go through enough, you figure out, you know what? I can do what God said. Because the other option, it's just too painful. But because we have problems with performance, sometimes we say, well, God, there's no way. I know you're pronouncing me guilty. Or we have a problem with this. Give me perfection. The definition of perfectionism, and I didn't notice this is Webster's. This is not, uh, not no Hebrew. This ain't no theological dictionary. It's the doctrine that the perfection of moral character constitutes a person's highest good, or the theological doctrine that a state of freedom from sin is attainable on earth, which I disagree with. In, 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 con in a certain concept. Uh, this disposition to regard anything short of perfection as unacceptable. This is where that last one was where most of us are. The disposition. We, it's not even really a belief system, but you don't understand the doctrines of devils. That's what this is. He has taken something that somebody really did use out of the Bible. It's a Wesleyan doctrine, right? And what he was saying is, once you get saved, you are perfect. Because Christ is perfect, he's coming to your life, now you're perfect. Right? Which is the, and this is why I say, and being free from sin, yes, once Christ comes into your life, you technically are legally free from sin. But you got to make that choice to actually step out of prison. You know, he doesn't unlock the door, but you got to make the choice to be like, you know, I don't want to be in this prison of sin no more. You got to make that choice. 
But for most of us, it's a disposition to regard anything short as perfection as unacceptable. So you give yourself no room to mess up. None. None to be human. You have imaginations about being a robot. You know, you want, you want to be this person that always does what's right. Always. Why? Because if we go into that, what is this? It's rejection. If we go into that thought, go into that disposition, it's because I don't feel accepted. If I always do what's right, then therefore people will have to accept me. Because I'll make everybody happy. Right? So I have to be perfect. So there's no room for you to be imperfect. And when you are imperfect, you beat yourself up so bad you go into condemnation. You make yourself be unfit because you messed up one time. But you're messing up all the time, just like I am. I get myself wrong. Child, I am imperfect. You hear me? I am imperfect. I don't care what nobody say or nobody tell you. I am imperfect. I might have a good little handle on some things, but the Lord knows the truth. And people close to me know the truth. And people sometimes who have came to church know the truth because I done said it. I'm not perfect. By far. I still have to fight sin just like you do. I still got to fight my flesh, fight my lust, fight my anger, fight my revenge, fight from fighting so I don't fight nobody. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? You got to fight yourself from smacking people. Even if it's your own children. You got to crucify your flesh. Because you know, I know the level of violence that I deal with. God has delivered me. But when that thing comes on me, I've never wanted to fight just to fight. If I feel like I got the fight, then you have to be hurt. Because I don't bother nobody. So since I don't bother nobody, and if you're going to bother me to this extent, I'm going to make sure you don't ever bother me again. Ever. In my head. Right? So ain't no fighting fair. Bricks, sand, sticks, whatever it is. Shoes, nails, knives, whatever I got to do. I might not shoot you. But I, I'm, my goal is to put you in the hospital. But you ain't going to bother me. Hopefully. But you know, we're in a different day and time. So, humble is the way. I'm being serious. Because folks ain't even trying to do that. They're just trying to pull out on you. And pop, pop. Nope. And I can't carry around no gun. So, I ain't doing that. <laughs> but this disposition gives you no room for imperfections in your life and therefore you give people around you no room and they feel the hammer come down whenever they mess up and it's the same hammer that, that comes down in your own life and they're wondering like okay can I get some I mean dad I mean I mean do you expect for me to do Right all the time? Yes. I expect for you to do right all the time. 
The Bible says God know we dust, so he know we ain't going to do right all the time. This is why Christ died before the foundation of the world. <laughs> he know we're not going to do right. He knew we weren't going to do right before he made us. So you got to deal with the imperfections of the people around you. With the grace that God gives you. That, that hammer of condemnation is not changing you. So how do you think it's going to change somebody else? It is the gratitude of receiving grace from God that changes the soul. When, when you have the gratitude. Because sometimes we don't have the gratitude. And God keeps on giving grace because he's God. Man, we don't keep on giving grace because we're not God. So we get challenged with that. <laughs> right? We get challenged with that. I can't keep on giving you grace. I can, but I just don't want to sometimes. Because I feel like the grace I'm giving you, you are abusing. And I think that God, to a certain extent, changes the way he gives grace. Because sometimes grace is, okay, I'm going to just let you suffer for two years. But you're not going to die. You're not going to lose everything. You're going to keep your mind intact. That's the grace. For real. I believe God does that. I believe he changes the way he dispenses grace. Okay, that not working for you. All right, well, let's let a little bit more come in that I've been blocking off. And, and, and when that comes in, the buffeting from the devil and then the grace of me keeping you while he buffets to destroy your flesh, then I think you'll turn after that. That's the hope. Because he knows what he's dealing with. He's dealing with people that are stubborn, cold at heart, easy to wonder. I know we don't want to think about ourselves that way. The only thing that keeps us close to him is him. It ain't because we're so right. The only love that we really have for him is because he loved us first. So look at your neighbor and say, you're not perfect. And tell him again, you never will be. Until you're with him. Until you're with him. So come on, I don't have long. Uh, let's go down some more. For the good that I would do, I, uh, that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Meaning I'm trying to do what's right, but I keep on messing up. So now, go ahead, go ahead. Now if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that doeth, but sin that dwelleth in me. He's restating this again. Okay? I find in the law when I would do good, evil is present, meaning I'm finding a standard, like in my life, that when I'm trying to do what's right, evil is right here with me, telling me don't do that. Not going to work. Don't do that. Don't do good, because they don't like, they don't appreciate that. They don't understand good. Be bad to them. Be bad. They don't understand that. So we have to really ask, what is good? I believe God, God, it was good to God for, for Christ to die, for him to be beaten, all this other stuff. So for us, for some, most of us, it wouldn't be good for our children to go through something like that. 
So God's definition of good is not our definition of good. Good don't always mean it feel good. I mean, sometimes good means you're not going to like how this feels. But it's good. It's like vegetables. You might not like how all of them taste, but they're good for you. It's good, right? Come on. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. I'm getting caught up. I'm bringing into captivity. I'm being brought into bondage because of this law that's warring in my members. Come on. Oh, wretched man that I am. This is where we get stuck, though. Sometimes we get stuck right here. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? But he's asking the question. What he's trying to bring you to is saying, look, look at your state as a human being. Be real with yourself. I don't have it in me to do what's right. I really don't. As much as I've been taught good morals, even if I didn't have parents, if I was just left to myself from the time I was born, I would not do, I wouldn't even have the morals that I have. I wouldn't even have the standard that I have in my life. If I'm just left to the humanity of who I am, I would not choose what's right. Because I'm wretched. Worthless. You see what I'm saying? Without him. Amen? But he's asking a question. Come on, give me another. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, the, with the mind, myself served the law of God, but with the flesh, with the flesh, I served what? The law of sin. This is why people say, get out your flesh. Meaning, mean, don't, don't keep on just being human. Don't just say, well, that's just me. Is it? If it's sin, the Bible says that's not you. Mm. All right, give me an eight and one, and then I'm going to leave y'all alone. Therefore, there is therefore now no. Look at your neighbor and say no. no. Tell them again. No. no. Condemnation to them that to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So how do I truly stay out of condemnation? I got to get in the spirit. I got to get in Christ. Meaning my belief system has to be that he is the one that has now pronounced me to be righteous even though I'm guilty. I am guilty. But Christ said you don't have to stay guilty. I am unfit by myself. But I don't have to stay that way. You see what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not condemned in him, but outside of him, I'm already condemned. I'm already condemned. I'm already unfit. I'm already, and this is why when you live outside of him, you feel like you're not good enough for him because now the belief system has been messed up. You think you got to get it right before you come to him. No. He said, bring me the mess. I'm the one that cleans. I'm the one that sanctifies. I'm the one that makes you righteous. I'm the one that's been your substitute for what you're supposed to have for your guilt. 
What is walking after the spirit? Walking after the word. So when I do sin, what do I do? I come back to Christ. I acknowledge my sin. And if I'm not sorry about it, God is faithful to bring somebody to throw some sorrow into your life. You know what I'm saying? He's faithful to have you face it. Amen? I'm thankful for that. Because there's some things I wouldn't have changed on my own. I just wouldn't have changed it. So there's no. So now, last time I'm going to have y'all do this. But I want you to talk to condemnation. Don't talk to each other. Talk to condemnation like it's a person. Because it is. This is a demon. I didn't cast it out before, so I know it's a demon. <laughs> Amen? It's a demon that holds us back from receiving the acceptance and the love of God. Because it says you're not good enough for it. But it's that acceptance, it's that love that changes our lives. Amen? So now, we're going to say this to condemnation. Come on. One, two, Three, no condemnation. You're not allowing this to move in your mindset no more. Don't sit down and beat yourself up. Let sorrow work in you, yes. So repentance can work. Be sorry. If you're sorry for a week, be sorry for a week. That's fine. But don't start thinking like, there's no way God can use me or there's no way God can love me there's no way don't go to that because that's condemnation but to say God I'm sorry that I hurt you because I want a relationship with you I'm sorry that I'm pulling myself away from you because you know I, I want this more God I'm sorry that I, I do like this sin more than I like you or I love this sin more than I want to be with you I'm sorry about that but understand when you can do that he brings you out because you're bringing it into the light Amen. Amen. Amen.